Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we are here for Giant Size Collider Heroes number 10. It is very exciting stuff. We are in double digits, and this week is the last show before Comic-Con. This is happening on Thursday, so some con stuff has already occurred, but we are mere hours away from finding out what the Marvel panel was. In fact, it is still a mystery. I'm very excited. So next week's Heroes will be giant-sized and dense with all the con review stuff. But this week we get to talk about Thor 4, which broke suddenly and surprisingly before San Diego Comic-Con, and we find out that Taika Waititi is, in fact, coming back for Thor, and it's the first Thor in the Marvel Universe. No more trilogies. What do you think about the announcement? Yeah, oh, and I'm here with John Roca, yeah, I was just by the way. <laughs> I got really excited to talk about Thor, and I was doing a monologue instead of a dialogue. I am joined on Giant Size by John Roca. People, this is the standard thing. You just got a window into what happens off screen sometimes with Koi. This <laughs> inability to introduce people because he just wants to get to it. He's a monologue. But that's all right. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. This is fun. Uh, uh, Amy, of course, is, is off on other business, so I'm stepping in for her. Uh, heading into Comic-Con, this news was huge for two reasons. One, I was deflated. Because I love Akira, as Emma Fife has yeah. taught me how to pronounce it. I love Akira, and we're about to do it on a podcast I host, uh, The Cinephiles, which I've been doing for like two years now with Steve Moore as my friend and director. And we are going to – and I was excited that the live action was going to be done in the hands of Taika Waititi. Yeah. I was interested because Taika doesn't really – there's no comedy in Akira, not really that much. Right. And so I was going to – I was wondering what kind of – how his interpretation would work out here. But to see him stepping aside, uh, putting that project on delay for now – now, to work on Thor 4 gives me a lot of hope for Phase 4 yeah. of the MCU, right? I assume this is going to be in Phase 4. And so now we've got ourselves Doctor Strange 2. We've got ourselves Black Panther 2. We've got ourselves Eternals. We've got ourselves this. Uh, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, right? And God knows what else, which is going to get announced at Comic-Con probably yeah. in a couple of days, obviously, from when you're hearing this on Thursday. So we'll see. I'm excited to see what they do with this. But Tiger coming back. You know, look, Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite MCU films, top five. 
um, really worked, saved the Thor franchise, and got people to fall back in love with Hemsworth's portrayal of Thor, which led into his work in Infinity War and mm-hmm. Endgame. I don't think he's as good in either of those films, or we love that character as much if we don't have Ragnarok ahead of time. And I'm really curious about, with that evolution, the Thor and Thor 1 and Thor 2 and Thor 3, yeah. and they're all very different. Yes. I'm really curious where we land with Thor and 4. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious what the culmination of all those movies, what that brings to the character, because you can look at Tony Stark's arc and Captain America's arc and Thor's arc, and they all have very different landings, yeah. but only one of those characters gets to have a four. Yeah. So I'm really curious where Thor goes and point. what they evolve into, right. because a lot of these OG, the original six, I think he's our last one. Yes. In its in its own way. Right. I mean, Hulk is still around, right? But Hulk doesn't get the... We don't get standalones right because universal standalones. Rights. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that's a great point. He's the only of the six that gets a four. Yeah. And that's really interesting. So, I'm curious, especially with Taika, obviously it's going to be more comedic than Thor 1 mm-hmm, and 2, mm-hmm. but it's going to be taking place conceptually in space. Or right. it's going to be... The, the amount of wiggle he has now that Ragnarok was what it was means a probably bigger budget. Yeah. Means probably more flex, which is already crazy because he had a lot of free reign on Ragnarok. So I'm excited to see the grounded Marvel and the cosmic Marvel kind of have that duality like we keep talking about, Mm -hmm. but with Thor being our only established hero from the beginning. Yeah, and I wonder, too, if this has to do with the James Gunn situation in that, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone everyone immediately thought Taika to take over the Guardians of the Galaxy because of what he did with Ragnarok. That's a good point. But Taika said, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, Everyone's saying all this stuff. My friend is still around. So maybe James Gunn coming back to do three, there there was conversations behind the scenes, like yeah. you got to bring James back. I'll come back and do four if you bring James back to do three, and we'll work together because Thor is with the Guardians right now. So I imagine whatever happens in Guardians of the Galaxy three is going to feed into Thor four. I think they're going to be a one two punch. Yeah, exactly. I definitely think they relate much more closely than most Marvel films to each other. Yes, and so Taika coming back this with his strong relationship that he has with James Gunn, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I think this was an announcement they planned to say for Comic Con mm-hmm. uh, that didn't exactly work out <laughs> for them, and then the Hollywood Reporter put it out so I felt like it was as credible as it gets of course yeah Uh, but I saw it on a few smaller sites and then I was like holding off holding off oh no it's real and I, I definitely empathize with Kevin Feige, uh, this kind of leak. He's very good at secrecy, so I can't imagine what that, uh, you know, what those phone calls were like this morning. Yeah, uh, Corey, <laughs> we're starting to see some leaks appear on the Marvel ship. And they don't happen. They do not happen. And so this is an interesting situation. We're going to talk about it in the Millie Bobby Brown stuff as well, which you have on the list. Yep. But these leaks, this is what happens when a ship's been around for a while. And it some gets of the, bigger and bigger it gets and bigger. Big, yeah, right. And so you can't maintain it the way you did before. Right. So, yeah. Actually, that's, that's, let's talk about uh, Millie Bobby okay. Brown while we're on that because the Eternals is, I think, going to be the big presence in the Hall H panel. Yep. I think they're going to bring out the cast. I think it's going to be very like the Avengers Phase 1 moment. We're going to see because the cast, we've rumored. None yes. of them are confirmed. Right, right, right. The rumors are staggering. We've got Angelina Jolie. We've got Richard Madden. We've got Millie Bobby Brown. And yep. they all are professionals to the end. Anyone saying they're not involved with it, I only believe as far as Comic-Con. Yeah. If they're not announced at Comic-Con, then I buy your denial. Yeah. And I don't blame them for that. And I think a lot of times people get crap for saying they're not part of something, but they legally can't. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Millie Bobby Brown denial was very much a part of the I'm an actress. 
I don't know what I'm allowed to say. For now is For, the key exactly. in that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Kamel's looking jacked, and right. he's still in denial. Kamel, yeah, Kamel Nanjiani's been in the gym. Yeah, Stuber. He, yeah. he was looking more Dave Batista than on the Q and A's. I thought he was bigger than Dave. Yeah. So you know, he's There's, joking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dave Batista's like, excuse me, <laughs> but uh, Kamel's clearly been working out for a specific reason yeah. and rooming for Eternals. One plus one is sometimes two. Yeah. I feel like we're going to get the big Eternals announcement, and I feel like Millie's part of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think Millie is going to be part of it. But this is also. You know, fans can sometimes get upset at, oh, you know, you guys said this is going to happen. Why do you, why do pundits talk about ahead of them? A lot of times, and I'll give you a little window into the world that we work in, behind the scenes, um, working with people like Jeff Snyder who, who, who have access to scoops, who's tr- constantly trying to break stuff, sometimes the thing gets negotiated behind the scenes and – <clears throat> executives or representatives don't want other people to run with the story because it affects uh, their client getting cast in something. Yeah. Or, like that was that big thing with Anthony Mackey and Green Lantern. Like that was the rumor that it was going to happen until that whole thing happened at a junket. And so you get that sometimes uh, with certain actors. And then by the same token, studios uh, sometimes will leak this kind of stuff to put the pressure on the actor to sign or not sign or pressure on another actor that they're going with another actor. So to force that actor who they originally wanted to come back to the table for less money. So Mm -hmm. it's a game. It's all a game. It's all machinations by the studio, by the actors, by the representatives. You know why? Because a a lot of money is involved here. It's a high stakes game. This isn't kumbaya. This isn't black and white. This Business isn't hold your hands. Millions. Right. This isn't a good and bad the situation. This is like, well, what can we do to make it happen? Uh, and look, Joaquin denied even knowing who the Joker was until he finally signed the damn. And everybody knew that was going to happen yeah. months ahead of time. And he kept saying, no one's come to me so far. No one's come to me so far. Um, so, you know, people, the, artists have to say certain things to kind of have that plausible deniability. I think this is – when they announce it, what's Millie going to say? You know, That's and the thing. I actually like the fact that they lie. But I, you well, know what I, mean? I like yeah. the fact that we get to be surprised. Yeah. I, I want it to come out of the proper channels. I mean like I don't appreciate oh, I lying. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I like that Kevin Feige has said things that aren't true in order right. for us to experience the film in the proper way. Or the Russo brothers shooting scenes that aren't even in the damn movie to I get you into that. it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. personally, I'd rather have those misleads and those sometimes all right fabrications in order to have the experience delivered in the proper way. Yeah. I'd rather see her on that stage and still be like, will she, won't she, she's in it, right. than have it be known through someone's sentence. I agree with you. Um, and I get that you know the certain websites including us, mm-hmm. uh, have to try to find scoops in order to get those clicks, in order to keep keep surviving as a website. If you want to keep our lights on, yeah, sometimes there's... It's part of it, you know, breaking stories, and, and, and you want to still maintain relationships with the studios, with the uh, uh, people involved, the representatives and, and executives and what have you, but... You know, you got to sometimes do what's what you got to do to survive, just like they do. If 17 so, outlets have run it, you can't be the person that isn't 18. Like, right. at that point, you've got to run the story. Right, and right. that's the tricky thing about journalism that uh, it's hard to see if you're not inside it. That yeah. there, there is a line that has to be crossed, but also respecting the source material. So yeah. I'm excited to see it be official so we don't have to keep shrugging and saying, like, yeah. rumored. Right. Uh, speaking of big announcements, I am super excited to hear that Paper Girls is moving forward yeah. to series. Right. So not just pilot, not just we'll see what happens. Amazon is picking up Paper Girls. Yeah. Uh, it's a Brian K. Vaughn property, and he's been you know one of the hottest comic writers in town for adaptations. Uh, he's responsible for Runaways on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Now this on Amazon, he's got Why the Last Man, which I'm very excited to see the light of day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still have a dream, yeah. I believe, uh, that's been going since Shia LaBeouf was almost in Why the Last Man. That's, that's true. That's that long. Uh, and then I don't think Saga will ever get, but he also wrote Saga. So check out Brian K. Vaughn's work. 
work because he is clearly something studios have been looking at for adaptations. And Paper Girls, to me, is the answer to Stranger Things. Right. Uh, we talked about it in Heroes on Tuesday. Yeah. I feel like this is what Amazon is trying to say. Hey, we see what Netflix is doing. We're our own beast. And we got Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, have you read Paper Girls? Yeah, I've read some of Paper Girls. Not all. It's a really weird story weird. to follow, you know, from the beginning with time travel and ninjas and all this <laughs> kind of crazy stuff. But, I mean, it had an interest for me because of the War of the World stuff. I'm a massive Orson Welles fan. So, to me, that's a uh, highlight in, in my mind. So, like, connecting all those things in my head, I'm like, oh, this is an interesting uh, uh, story. But in the end, I, I, I kind of trailed off and moved on to other titles. So, But this motivates me to come back to it and Same. read it. Absolutely, and get deeper into it. It's what happened with the boys coming back. To, as soon as they announced the boys on Amazon, I was like, "Oh, I read a couple issues. I hadn't really finished that thing." So I went back and tore through the first twenty-five uh, uh, issues of the of it's the a quick read. Yeah, the boys it is a quick read. You. It is, and it's badass. Yeah. So I can't wait for the uh, uh, series to watch the series next Friday. But this, this is, it, it, I love this because this is once again we were talking off off uh, Mike Coy. This idea of like this would have been a massive announcement yeah. five ten years ago, but now, now it's just. Lumped into the rest of the other announcements of a superhero TV show that's coming out. But I think I'm really encouraged. I want to see what your thoughts are that they're starting to greenlight the darker stuff. The independent darker yes, stuff. The no independent less. darker stuff. Yes. To me, the highlight of this announcement yeah. is that Image Comics is taken as seriously as Marvel and DC. Right. We have a third power player. Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to prevent Monopoly isn't by having one competition, it's multiple competitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got Dark Horse with Umbrella Academy. I loved Umbrella Academy. Yeah. And I think that's a really strong property. And now we're seeing Image have some some play. We've got Marvel and DC obviously trying new things with mm-hmm. Joker at DC and, and Marvel taking these risks. So I want to see the the world of comic book property spread out to stuff like the Tom Hanks um, uh, Road to Perdition. Yeah, Road to Perdition. I want to see more of those properties. Right. And I feel like Paper Girls is a great like, hey, we can do it on TV as well as film. Yeah, and I like the fact that they're not willing to take a, a loss or a, or a project not working out. It doesn't shy. It doesn't scare the studios away from trying to go and get other projects like that. Like right. you know, like. Uh, uh, Deadly Class was uh, canceled, it. even though. But we had a, you know we had a couple of guests on, obviously, to speak about it, and and uh, but here our studio is going okay. Well, they didn't get it right, or they didn't get it right enough to keep going for another mm-hmm. season. We're going to try something else with another property. Make sure see if we can get it to work. I agree. You know, I'm glad it didn't world. scare them off. I'm yeah. glad it's not that yeah. knee jerk reaction of oh no, no more this movie or no more this show. Right. And right. Paper Girls, I think, is a really good different take. It's younger. Yeah. It's still aggressive, but it's younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's going to bring in a cast of unknowns we talked about on Heroes. I'm yeah. excited to see what chances they take while still being true to the book. And here's what I say, and this is a, not a spoiler. Mm. But you mentioned Umbrella Academy. My friend is friends with some a very prominent person on that show. And uh, they have done costume fittings. And oh, yes. Yeah, so I can't reveal anything other than the fact that he told them he was – with them, uh, with the cosmos, uh, with the cosmos designer, and one of the, and said, "Stop talking about it. Don't ruin it for me." <laughs> so even when you have access to spoilers, you don't want to be spoiled. But uh, um, that's getting some positive. My friend knows a little bit about it of what's going to happen in season two, and he's just like super excited for what's coming. Hell yeah! So, yeah. I and, loved season one and some off-record stuff. I'll tell you about crossover. Off mic, yes, yes, off mic. Because I cannot wait for that show. Yeah. Uh, that is one of my favorite surprises because I didn't think that was translatable, and they they, they pulled holy it off. crap did they pull it off? Yeah, and that the, at the end when it went full Gerard way. I was like, okay, we're yep. here now. Yep. Uh, speaking of properties that
that are hard to pull off. Deadpool 3. Hey-o. Because Marvel and Fox are now one, and that means that we're going to have that conflict of, yes, I believe it'll be R-rated, but there is a different kind of overhead. I think Fox, when they were making an R-rated property, was going to be going through less hoops than Disney's hoops. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very curious, and we're not alone in that. David uh, Leach himself does not know exactly what's going on, or, once again, he could be faggying all of us. Yeah. And there's always the option <laughs> of he uh, is doing press right now for Hobbs and Shaw and talking about what the future of his Deadpool universe is, and he is also waiting for that phone to ring. So uh, we've heard a lot of talk of announcements for Deadpool, but I think it's a little further down the line than we previously thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Or we're going to get a big surprise at D23. Yeah, it's a good point you bring up. Um, I think we – I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm of two minds on this, and the first is that why is – what's the rush? Mm -hmm. You know, we're still – Deadpool 2 wasn't that long ago, so we're still kind of processing that, and – these companies are still processing each other and how to make the, uh, the 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 meld work between Fox and Disney and how to make it all work. So to me, I'd rather they take their time, figure this out, and not use Deadpool 3 as a test subject of how this union will go. Yeah. I'd rather them work the union out a little bit, use other films or properties as test subjects, then eventually move on to getting Deadpool 3 right. There's no rush. Ryan is still a relatively young guy who can do the stunts and do the work and whatever. And you want to not mess this up because right off the bat, if you mess – fans are going to turn on it so quick and yeah. say, see, they disney it. They didn't give it the, the love that it's supposed to get. So I think Feige or the MCU at Disney, they're all smart to take a, take a little bit of a step back, let things settle down a little bit, put things in motion. And maybe there's an announcement at Comic-Con about yeah. Deadpool uh, that could be released as well. Like, you know, there was those fake images of the slates that came out with some interesting titles. Yeah. But, you know, it'd be fascinating. Fascinating to see Deadpool kind of in another situation or if it's X-Force or whatever. Where they go with X-Men in general. Exactly. Right. What's his position in that situation? Because I do think it will confuse non-comic invested folk if Deadpool and the X-Men are both around the same time. What's going on? This is a mutant. I thought he wasn't part of that. Good point. Because in in the film, they have to address it because Mm -hmm. of the the, the lack of continuity. Now, if you're adding the Marvel element, I want to make sure it's respected, as you said, but also still is the character. And I do agree that, that Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds Ryan Reynolds is in great shape and yeah. he wears a mask right so even if he's Ryan just doing Reynolds, voiceover exactly right. so it's not a situation where it's Chris Evans where Chris Evans I would worry in 10 years right because he's the face of Cap and I don't want Chris to have to not eat for the rest of his life like Hugh Jackman went 20 years not getting to like enjoy life <laughs> right. like people don't think about the fact that these are human beings Hugh Jackman didn't get to have cake for years like yeah. the dude had to stay that way whereas Ryan Reynolds can stay in shape for the moments that he's off camera off mask mm-hmm. and then the, everything's voiceover at the Look end of the day they went after Momoa yeah. recently because he happened to be a human being walking across a pool Actually, side. that's a great point. Uh, <laughs> if you're one of the people on the internet that listen to this show, that is a man in incredible shape. Yeah. That's a man who's had a burger in the last six months. Yes. It's literally... God forbid. You can't stay as cut as you have to be on camera. Yeah. You you usually dehydrate. You change your diet for four months, and then the week of shooting, you drain your diet even more dramatically. Yeah. That's a dude in the top 5% of humanity, and you're calling him dad bod? Yeah. That's insane to it's me. This, so this whole dad's thing is out of control, my personal it's, opinion. <laughs> I'm getting a little sick of it, to be honest with you. what is this? Yeah, all of that daddy stuff is driving me <laughs> 
insane. No offense to anybody. Like to me, it's just my personal opinion is driving me insane. He does not have a dad bod, and if he da- if that's a dad bod, I'm glad. I would be glad to have a dad. Aspire bod like to that, that dad yeah, bod. Yeah. Also, he is a dad, so you're welcome. Yeah. Like just like, that's give another the man, thing. Like and the man made a billion dollars, he can have a burger. A dad on vacation yeah. gets to be a dad on vacation. Yeah. Uh, Let the so man live. I think Ryan Reynolds getting a chance to like you know do other properties gives me hope because I like the idea of Ryan not just being Deadpool as much. I mean. There, you won't find a bigger Deadpool fan, but I don't want a Jesse Ryan as Deadpool. Yeah, so fair. if it means a couple of years, I'm cool with it. Yeah, uh, agreed. Speaking of uh, transitioning into a new world, Black Adam hey, is ooh. likely not going to be in Shazam 2. Yeah. It looks like we'll get Shazam, which we have, followed by a Black Adam property, yeah. followed by a crossover once they've both been introduced. I personally think this is a brilliant idea Mm -hmm. because that means Black Adam actually gets a respectful time and we'll get more of the Daredevil Kingpin flavor Mm -hmm. where you're as invested as the villain as the hero. And it's the goddamn rock. You don't give that man half a movie. You give him a movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's fair. And and this was supposed – you know, remember at the beginning it was supposed to be – Black Adam leading us into Shazam. Yeah. So this uh, idea that they're moving Black Adam out a little further, I get it. The Rock does a lot. He's a busy man. He's a busy, busy man. What concerns me is, you know, I I know people who've been on set with him. He's not a young man. And, you know, the stunts hurt. The the body tightens. He certainly put his body through a lot in the years of wrestling yeah. that he did on mats, on against ropes, steel chairs, ste- uh, 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 you know, uh, kendo sticks, uh, sticks of wood, uh, all that kind of stuff. He put his body through a lot before he became an action That's star. That's a really good point. So to add this onto the years, this concerns me about a Black Adam movie down the road because also – What's the eight? I guess he's going to be older, right? Obviously, because he was the first champion chosen. Um, so I like this story overall because I like the fact that DC is taking their time, yeah, planning stuff out, laying the groundwork. And yeah, we'll get to it a little further down the road. And that's okay. It builds up the hype for it. The Rock can go off and do other things. They can work on the script, make it work, get that second one to come out. You know, we got teased to the Mr. Mind yep. will possibly be the villain in the second one. So let that play out in itself and still make allusions to Black Adam uh, and then launch that Black Adam movie and then somehow connect the Black Adam sequel with the Shazam 3 sequel and boom, you're good to go. That's okay. And we can wait for it. It's all right. And that way the kids aren't out aging their properties because yeah. you get a Great sequel point. sooner. Mm-hmm. And that way, you know, Asher Angel isn't 25 in Shazam 2. He's still because Asher's actually 16, which is mind blowing. Yeah, the kid right. has experienced way more world than most people, and he's actually a kid. <laughs> uh, so I think it's good to have Shazam 2. Use the youth, use the flavor yeah. of Shazam 1, have Black Adam be another property, and then tie it all together. And that in itself gives us a little Shazam universe. Yeah. And one of the strengths of Shazam, I thought, was not tying it so directly, like the Batman being tossed, having a different voice than than Batfleck. Yeah. And and having the end, which broke my heart at first. But having Henry Cavill not as yeah. the Superman they use gives it a lot more freedom. Yeah. And I think that's a strength of Shazam. Uh, we also found out this week a deleted scene had a Black Adam nod. Yeah. And I think it's interesting they cut it out because they were like, wait, wait we've changed our, our pacing. Right. And that's another reason that we – that the patience of waiting it out is we don't know what the superhero fans um, – tastes and mm-hmm. desires are going to be three years from now, what the landscape is going to look like. And so why rush out something that you're not ready to tackle just yet? Give yeah. it time to breathe on both sides and then you'll come together and come together in the right way. And I love that they cut the scene. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's a fun 53 it's a fun, Yeah, yeah. Megan Good gets that last line. I love him no matter what. It's cool. 
Um, but and it's a nice allusion to it. But I understood. But I think it was smart to cut it out. I think it's a good scene to watch separately. Yes, and I, and I kind of like that it's released. It was smart of them to release it so we can yeah. appreciate it. But people saying like it should have stayed in that that throws off continuity permanently. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed the scene. Check it out if you guys haven't found it. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's on the Blu-ray, which is now available. Uh, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> firm believer in buying tangible media. Uh, and Best Buy has one 3D copy per store, according to Hector Navarro, wow. who has been very loud on Twitter about hunting down his one Blu-ray. So if you find one, mm. buy it for Hector. Uh, Sorry, Hector. I'm, <laughs> I'm selling my 3D television, so I know. Hot takes. I'm walking away from it once and for all. Oh, It's a shame. He tried. He I was tried. in it for longer than most. I tried. <laughs> uh, speaking of walking away from a property oh. that you love dearly, Robert Downey Jr. has a great, great interview over at People Magazine talking about how he is not – Always Iron Man. Uh, I really appreciated this interview because Mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. is amongst the actors we look to be most similar to his role. Sure. And Tony Stark was part of him for 11 years. But I think it's really important to separate art from the artist. And I think that we need to let this man not be Tony Stark in the public (laughs) eye at all times. Uh, Especially a character like Tony Stark who was written to be difficult. Uh, Stanley invented Iron Man to be a problem. He wanted to write a challenging hero that he had to write creatively around That'd be a really hard thing to live as. So yeah. I think letting Downey Jr. be the man that he is, be the actor he is, is what people should start seeing him as. Uh, I can't imagine it was like T'Challa. Uh, poor right. Chadwick Boseman walking around getting Wakanda forever yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. We need to let these actors be their own individual people. You hit that wall. You're like, come on. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I can't keep crossing my arms and yelling. <laughs> like there's got to be right. a line. Yeah. So uh, check out the People article. We won't go through it here. I just wanted to mention it, give it some love because uh, it's, a, it's a great article and it's a great insight into the man that Downey Jr. is. Mm-hmm. And he is a fascinating actor. Before he was ever courted for Tony Stark, he'd had an Oscar nom for Chaplin. He right. does a lot of other great work. Tropic Thunder, I think, is so slept on. Oh, my God. It's great. Like that that performance. I'm a lead father, mother. Yeah, I love it. It's <laughs> so the best. check out the rest of his work. He's not just Iron Man, but also check out this interview. It's a solid interview. Uh, switching over to TV. Legion's Harry, Lo- Harry, yeah, Harry Lloyd talks about his Charles Xavier, and I love this insight mm. into basically there's already been two iconic Xaviers, and he didn't shy away from them, but he also made sure it was his own. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to play something as iconic as Xavier. Yeah. And he's coming from Game of Thrones where he's known for another property, and it, it's a great little insight into the acting process. It's on Collider.com. Uh, it's a Collider interview, and I think it's a really good insight into an actor's journey to yeah. putting a character on screen. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I thought it was a really good interview. I thought it, his answers were long. Yeah. So certainly, certainly he's got a lot of thought built into this, taking on this iconic character, right? And he didn't even know it was Charles Xavier until Noah Hawley revealed it Just to him. Just said Charles, and he was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. And then he like, found out the legacy of like, Xavier. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I yeah, know that guy. Sure, I'll, I'll dive in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but that's uh, – it, and, if, if, and you're going to do it on Legion as a way to do it too because uh, you, there's so much to play with there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he talks about the upcoming episodes. It's gonna, it, This to me is um, – I'm excited that we're finally walking into the Professor X situation and because it had been alluded to since season one. Yeah. Right? So, like halfway through the first season. We're yeah. two years in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we're finally getting to that point. And once again, another another reason – Patience is good. Waiting, yeah. laying the groundwork, building towards a certain thing that works. And so, with this, I love this, and I love the, what he had to say, and you know how people helped him 
figure out the Charles Xavier thing and then what he did uh, and the research he did it. And then, you know, like a good actor, he's going to bring his take to it. And he has to bring his take to it to fit the vibe of the show. Because the tone of Legion is nothing like the movies. Right. So you can't bring you can't bring Patrick Stewart into this or even McAvoy into this. Right. It changes your entire portrayal of Professor X. His version of Professor which is going to be through Legion's eyes. Which is probably more villainous than the yes. Xavier's we know and love. Exactly. So you better get ready, especially if you – it'll prep you for the Joker movie. It will. It'll get you right there. Yeah. And, I, and if you're not watching Legion, start from the beginning, dive through. I'm actually doing a rewatch in prep oh, for nice. this. Oh, cool. nice. Because the show is so – dense that it definitely it warrants multiple viewings yeah. uh, and you don't remember enough between the year gaps mm-hmm. so uh, check out Legion if you haven't yet it's ending this season on purpose uh, there's this weird trend on the internet of not watching a show because it's ending and I don't quite understand it I can understand the first season is canceled That's like different. Swamp Thing I can get that but this makes no sense when they finish it out they laid it the groundwork to finish it out they intentionally are ending <laughs> it where they plotted it out they're yeah. not letting it limp along it's not getting dextered uh, <laughs> you know what I mean it's not dying a painful death yeah. And it's like Breaking Bad where they knew where the show landed. They wanted to go chips to Scarface. Legion had a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. So check out Legion just because it's ending. That means you have more finite. That's good. That means you can watch something else after. Yeah. Uh, it's a really solid show. FX is, is putting in the work. Uh, speaking of really solid shows that I have hope for, Winter Soldier and Falcon has enlisted the John Wick writer. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great showing of power yeah. because John Wick has a very certain flavor that I think is really hard to capture. It's got that 90s action element that if done wrong goes in the Walmart bargain bin yeah. and if done right gives us John Wick. Yeah. So why not go for the right? Uh, I, I think this show, the more we hear about it, the better it sounds. Mm-hmm. I think the more we hear about Disney Plus, the better it sounds. And I'm really glad that Disney, even though the, the monthly price is only $6, they're still throwing down that Disney money. Yeah. Everything we hear is huge. Oh, yeah, because they've got all that Disney They got money. the Disney. Yeah, I mean, Mickey Mouse is on the hundred, like exactly, exactly. So, what do you think about this announcement? I like this announcement. I like. I think it's a great addition because you have a number of people involved here uh, with uh, Kari Skoglin. You've got uh, Malcolm Spellman and joining them with the man who created the Baba Yaga. So, to me, (laughs) all of it works because that throws another. element into this is, is, you know, he's still the Winter Soldier. Yes, he's Bucky and he's back together with his friends and it's all cool and they're making quips. But Bucky has also been mind warped and mind messed with throughout his whole career in the MCU uh, after the world after World War II. So, like, what's that going to do to him? Like, yeah. just because they de- kind of deprogrammed him, it doesn't mean st- somebody can't come along from Hydra and mess with him. So that could lead to some pretty incredible action sequences mm-hmm. or some weird uh, uh, stuff going on with him, just like it did with John Wick. And so to me, having uh, Derek Holtz be a part of it is great. It'll, it gives a whole new harder edge element to this because the default is to be like, oh, this is going to be a fun buddy cop situation. Now you throw in Colstad and there's a little more darkness too a little more edge to it and I think both of them are going to discover this because if Mackie's going to be uh, a Falcon who turns into Captain America what's he dealing with Yeah, and what is Bucky going to be dealing with on his side as he sees uh, Falcon become Captain America what's that going to do to him so there's a lot of layers to explore and complexity to explore and you want good people on who can do that and there's not a single Falcon as Cap storyline that isn't dark there's not a right. single he had to Great deal with point. stuff and so you want a writer that can handle darkness yeah. and I think the best buddy cop movies have that inherent darkness but that way the comedy lands you need the breath of fresh air of laughing that's why I love yeah. Lethal Weapon so much because Lethal Weapon's subject matter is 
oh my god, we're dealing with the worst thing ever. He's, Let's joke to survive. He's suicidal. He's a cop on the edge. For, not on the edge. He's suicidal. He's past the edge. Yeah, he's past the edge. Because <laughs> he wants to kill himself. He's yeah. legitimately. On the edge means he's taking chances and causing people problems. He's legitimately wanting to kill himself. The psycho pension commentary of Lethal Weapon is so underappreciated when you look back at that movie. People see it as this 80s buddy cop drama, but the scene with Mel Gibson and when he's looking Danny Glover in the eye with a gun in his mouth is some of the best acting I've ever seen. Absolutely. And that moment is what makes that movie work because without that moment, then the right. jokes aren't dark and then they're just fluff. You believe him. Yeah. And because and Danny believes him. He said, you ain't trying to collect no pension. Yeah. And then to break the tension, just like you mentioned – he says he's going to get a hot dog. Exactly. That's the, the joke. joke. No, I'm yeah. hungry. And then he walks yeah, out. I'm, I'm hungry. And yeah. the moments in that movie that really work are like, oh, God hates me. That's what this is. Hate him back. Works for me. Yeah. Like those are the moments that make buddy cop movies work. And I think that's what we lost in the Hollywood homicide era buddy cop movie. Yeah. Like, when point. we tried to bring back buddy cop, we looked at the strengths incorrectly. Yeah. I think the buddy cop genre is one of the best genres we have in film, but it hasn't been rediscovered right. And mm-hmm. honestly, I'm hoping this – I'm giving this a lot of hope, but yeah. I think with the John Wick writer and the powerhouses of Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, this has hope and a long-form commentary. Agreed. So uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon is amongst my most anticipated things on the 2020 slate period. Yeah. This edition of a writer couldn't be more excited. Yeah. Uh, we also have in the world of television, Supergirl is getting some <laughs> pants. Uh, we are getting a major costume overhaul. Now, before we have all of a certain corner of the internet getting upset, pants are very common. In the world of comic books and ladies, and just because Supergirl has worn a skirt doesn't mean she always wears a skirt. Right. If you're a man listening to this podcast, do you own shorts? <laughs> uh, I, I really – I want to get ahead of this. I think that pants are a fantastic idea, yeah. probably a bit more functional than a skirt. I would imagine so, especially <laughs> on cold Vancouver nights. As a non-skirt wearer, I can't vouch for their uh, flexibility and mm-hmm. usefulness, but I can say as a pants wearer, they are utilitarian. Uh, so I love the idea of her getting in pants. I love yeah. the idea of the Supergirl at season five. got to mix up that costume. Yeah. And I think it looks great. I mean if they went with Red Dog last year um, everything's on the table Mm -hmm. to change things around and mess with the narrative and the mythology of the character so giving her pants you know Wonder Woman had pants like everyone's gone through certain iterations of their costume right and Superman lost the cape remember after he died and he came back he was a completely different kind of Superman so there's all kinds of things to explore here I think it's great you gotta do something new to live it up five years yeah and Supergirl's always been on the edge of being cancelled or not (laughs) cancelled or being liked or not liked so it's it's certainly an uphill battle every season with them even though all the actors do fantastic work on the show it's always been an uphill battle Mm -hmm. and uh, God love Melissa for you know being in there and staying and not leaving and fighting it out because she believes in the character and right. it's a good paycheck. Um, but <laughs> going to the pants is going to be fun too. It's not just because it's cold. Obviously, she said that in the joke with Kevin Smith. Yeah. But like it also gives her another element to play with and a more badass, strong element to play with. She can with. fight differently. Yes. And she can Absolutely. move differently. Absolutely. The first thing I thought when I saw the pants is like, oh, we can change her choreography forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a lot of excitement because it's a show about being a strong, empowered person. And if you have to frame your fights because of your outfit, you don't have the same. Like, it's, it's a tricky yeah. line to walk. And it's also, yeah, sorry, quick. Uh, so I just, I think her being empowered verbally and not being able to fight freely is a tricky dichotomy yeah. you no longer have to deal with. Yeah, and we as fans, especially the male fans, have to start accepting that these changes are going to happen. Yeah. Because, yes, most of those women who were drawn in the 40s and 50s and 60s were drawn with very sexually suggestive comics. Sure. I mean, costumes, right? 
right? No, none more so than Power Girl, for God's sakes. Cool. You can't fight in that. Um, <laughs> and so, like, the, all of so we have to accept that this is going to be changing more and more. The sexual aspect of it all, the attraction aspect of it all is going to change as more and more women come into uh, positions of power and more awake men come into positions of power who understand that these characters are written from a di- for a different time. Yeah. So to adapt them to nowadays, you have to make adjustments to their personality, their mythology, and yes, their costume. So mm-hmm. it works better because you're not – if you're watching it to get a, a, a glimpse of Melissa Benoist in the skirt, you watch it for all the wrong reasons. And I imagine they don't want you to watch yeah. for that you reason. Miss the show's purpose, exactly. and in which case, season five not for you. <laughs> not maybe, for you. maybe it's exactly. not for you. Exactly. Probably stop watching season one. Uh, <laughs> now, speaking of adapting things to the modern time, Ultimate Comics is oh, the yeah. perfect thing to adapt a classic story to a modern day. Ultimate Comics started in 2000. Uh, in fact, Ultimate Spider-Man with Bendis and Mark Bagley is the best iteration if you've never read Spider-Man to understand Spider-Man because it's a piece of the time and it's the longest running duo in comics Mark Bagley and Bendis made the record at 133 issues now the Ultimate Comics line ended about five years ago with a a collision of sorts of of Earths Uh, but it's coming back in the comic books and Mm -hmm. we don't know that much about it but they are starting to gather a little bit of insight. It's going to be a big event title. Uh, did you read Ultimate back in the day? Yeah, I read the uh, Spider-Man one for yeah. a while. Uh, that was one that my friend Michael Vogel uh, slid onto me to read. And so that was a great uh, experience. Um, uh, there's Ultimate X-Men as well, right? Yeah. yeah so uh, I read that one for a little bit as well. But then I kind of moved off the Ultimate stuff as because uh, it was just a time where I wasn't, I wasn't reading a lot. Got so, it. yeah. But, yeah, I, I like this idea. I like that it's coming back. I think people speak about the Ultimate Universe with a lot of reverence. Yeah. Yeah. People have a lot of great memories. Gave us Miles? Yeah, exactly. Miles Morales in Spider-Man, which is fun to discover. Um, and it was Elseworlds stuff yeah. at a time when you couldn't call it Elseworlds because Elseworlds is DC. And I mean that like uh, Marvel had this kind of Elseworlds element, which Ultimate was, another way to explore it. Right? In the de- in the times past, you had to release this whole separate title right. but still find a way to connect the mythology at times. With Ultimate, you were able to create kind of a new beginning for all of these that wasn't called Rebirth. For all of these characters – I know that's DC, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and that could you could play around with these characters and play around with this mythology and all this stuff. So I, I, I like it and I'm glad it's coming back. And it wasn't like New 52 or it was the universe that you're used to reading. Right, it right. was a separate because New 52 <laughs> was like, wait, my Batman's gone? And it's always confusing. No, no, you can have Peter Parker in his 30s and also this 15-year-old right, Peter right. Parker. So I'm excited for Ultimate to be a new jumping on point for comic readers because I always want a new generation to have their characters. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what Miles does with Ultimate um, and it, we're, we're finding out more and more and it's, it's starting to come to fruition. Uh, I had this interesting, we usually don't talk about numbers on this show, Mm -hmm. but this blew my mind. Black Cat number one outsold Deceased number two by 100,000 copies. Mm. Now, the only reason I bring this up is because I loved Black Cat number one, but then Black Cat number two came out this week, and they had an entirely new artist on that looks like they, they gave him a week uh, oh. It's one of those things where the art in number one was like an A plus and the yeah. art in number two. I don't blame the artist, but it looks like they rushed out number two because of maybe the success or they weren't anticipating how big the book was going to be. Right, right. So uh, the reason I bring up this book is I think it's really important that these miniseries plot out their stuff. They have the same teams mm-hmm. on them. They have the same – because I imagine everyone that picked up Black Cat number one was not happy well. to see everything change. And Deceased is an incredible book with the same creative team throughout. Mm-hmm. It's paced better. The art is brilliant. Everything stays consistent. 
constant. So it's really interesting. We're living in an age where number ones, it's not the 90s. You shouldn't just pick up a number one because it's number one and assume it's going to stay because <laughs> that's how we lose long-running books. Yeah, yeah. Um, so looking at the publishers, last uh, last week, Marvel did 48.9% of all sales mm-hmm. and DC did 26.4 with Image only doing 8%. I had no idea the, the mm. disparity was that big. Now – Marvel puts out roughly twice the amount of books that, that DC does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we also got to keep that in mind. But I think DC is putting out a lot of really quality work mm-hmm. that isn't getting the right amount of attention. And I think Deceased selling really well is, is showing that we can put miniseries out and make it quality. But there's more to the DC universe than people are giving credit for. And I think Grant Morrison's Green Lantern is incredible. Yeah. I think uh, Josh Williamson's Flash is great. But I'm wondering what the why the numbers are so disparate. Yeah, interesting, right? It's um, such a leap. Is it her? Is it the character? When's the last time is you it, thought about Black Hat? Yeah, I know. <laughs> is it also this – and I, look, is it also female fans? Right. Are female fans becoming more of a stronger uh, economic uh, entity in the world of comic books? I hope so. Right? I mean like this is an incredible number. Uh, and Black Cat's not like it, Black Cat's not like the number one character in the Spider-Man universe. There's a number of other characters before you would think of Black Cat, even though she's a great part of the sure, universe. Sure. So this is an interesting uh, number. So yeah. was there was there a push here? Was there an emphasis? Was this on message boards and uh, you know female fans ran into it or male fans ran into it? Like who who we got to find this out? But like I think my initial reaction is. The way to kind of maybe look at this is female fans came out in force and bought this thing. Look at Captain Marvel. Look at Wonder Woman. Look how much money those films made led by female fangoers who went to see these films multiple times. And so why wouldn't they also who are fans of comic book stuff slide in and buy Black Cat number one as well at these high exorbitant numbers? I think it's 255,709 units for that that issue. That's incredible. And it's a $4 book. Like it's not – it's a a sizable investment for a new buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also we're looking at a time when Black Cat movie was scoffed at. Right. If you think about the ramifications from the film side, now you've got a number one doing a quarter million units and you're like, wait a second, that movie we pushed. Hmm, now Sony's like, you know, twirling yeah. their mustaches a little differently. Yeah. So I'm really curious what this means for the Spider-Man shared Marvel universe of characters <laughs> that that whatever that acronym they're going with nowadays. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Elseworlds and strange little side universes, John Carpenter yeah. is writing a Joker comic, everybody. Yeah. Uh, this announcement seemingly came out of nowhere. Once again, something I would have expected at Comic-Con because this is yeah, no, it's weird. kind of the big – this yeah. is what Comic-Con's for. Giant creators you don't expect handling comics. That's what Comic-Con is. Yeah. And the week before, we find out John Carpenter, the god of horror, mm-hmm. is handling Joker. Uh, what do you think about that particular voice writing one of the best characters in the game? I'm super excited. Um I'm a little concerned because John's a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. So, like, if this is 1982, I'm beyond crazy <laughs> excited. But we've seen a number of people go into comics and write and do a really nice job, you know, who are not necessarily comic book writers. Yeah. And so we've seen that multiple times now. Uh, I mean, the first I can remember was Judd Winnick when he came off of Re- the real world and mm-hmm. then went and did Green Lantern. Then Kevin Smith did some stuff. So you've seen people cross over uh, from the entertainment world and slide in and do comics. So to me, this is a great combination. John Carpenter, 
love the thing, love so many of his movies, Halloween, what have you, Halloween especially. Yeah. Now you slide him and do a guy who is capable of horror at you know unseen levels uh, in Gotham, the Joker. And this is a great combo. It's part of their black label. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, the black label sounding better and better every day. Right. The question was announced as well. So yes. the question coming back on the black label excites me as much as this does because I'm a massive fan of the question in the 90s. I have all those, those issues. So to see that coming back as well excites me. So this is all smart moves by DC and what they're doing. And like you said, they're doing great work that's not always getting the recognition and it deserves. And I think it should. And that's what I'm trying right. to push is, right. is the Joker black label film. Yeah, effectively, oh, right, exactly. the Joker is the first black label movie, yeah, yeah, and now yeah. we've got John Carpenter, the Joker, the black label comic book. Right. So DC is really taking bold chances, and I think they should be rewarded for that if the book is good. Yeah, if the so book is good. Yeah. That I think John Carpenter bringing in a power player like that, and it's interesting how much it mirrors the. I'm not saying it, it copies mirrors mm-hmm. uh, the J.J. Abrams announcement of Spider Man is that giant creators want to play in the medium of comic books. Yeah. I don't know which of these things happen first, and I don't think they happen because of each other, but I do think that we're looking at comics as a more serious medium yeah. and giant powerhouse directors of film are seeing that there's less budgetary restraints in a drawing. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating there's reuniting with the guy who helped him do Old Man Jack, uh, Old Man Jack from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. They did a six-issue miniseries of that, so maybe he was just kind of – that was a trial run to see how he felt about it. And they're like, why wouldn't you? I mean, Joker's been handed to – let me see if I can walk the line correctly on this. The, the, <laughs> the Joker has been handed some lesser talents sure. in the past, so why not give John Carpenter a shot reuniting with Anthony Birch to try and do something interesting with this character? And a new voice with an old character is always fun. And so, the Black Label could use a celebrity punch-up, so it gets absolutely. people over there. Great point. Because right now, I, I'm struggling to see the Black Label as not the line that canceled Vertigo. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to not be mad at it. That's a fair and, assessment and as a fan. What better way to get me like, okay, fine, John Carpenter's here. Yep. So like, I'm hoping it gets me to not feel begrudgingly about it. Yeah. So we'll see. And I think that it's really exciting to have Todd Phillips doing a black label film. And he pitched that. We found out recently that he actually pitched them at the War Dogs premiere to do a black label wow. uh, side project right. for DC. Right. So he even knew that he wanted it to be in Elseworld way back then because yeah. War Dogs was like four or five years ago. Now. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it's a really cool thing that these giant – uh, icons of film are approaching the comic creators themselves mm-hmm. and uh, we're living in a very specific nerdy time guys <laughs> Enjoy uh, we, it. we also yeah this is not permanent yeah uh, we also got news that Rob Liefeld is playing in a sandbox that inspired his Deadpool uh, he's come on the record and said that basically he's always wanted to do snake eyes and snake eyes helped shape Deadpool now he is going and playing with snake mm-hmm. eyes if you've ever seen any of his drawings of Snake Eyes, he's done covers before. He's definitely – I mean look at Deadpool's swords. Uh, he's right. wanted this and I think this is a great way to get IDW some new eyes. Yeah. Uh, Rob Liefeld sells books. Major X out, like sold out every single issue. It's second print sold out. He's now doing an issue zero, which is very 90s as well. Yes, it uh, is. So IDW bringing in Rob Liefeld, I think it's a really smart move. I agree too. I mean I think like you said, Coy, he has name recognition. People buy his work He's because he's, he's known for good work, great yeah. work, and people Love it. We've had him on the show a number of times. Awesome dude, down to earth, uh, a little wacky at times, but that's what you want yeah. for a guy who's creating these kinds of things uh, and a guy who rolls with the punches no matter what. And he'll tell you what he thinks he created and what he didn't. And so seeing him tackle Snake Eyes is fantastic. Snake Eyes has always been one of my favorite characters from a kid watching him on the G.I. Joe show, yeah. animated show, to all the comic book iterations and to the sad movies that were created <laughs> that didn't <laughs> capture Snake Eyes <laughs> in the best light, which they should have, because he's right. In his statement, he compared him to Wolverine, Deadpool, and Spider-Man rolled into one, and I agree with that completely. Snake Eyes is a fantastic character. I'm 
looking forward to see what new thing this brings out in Liefeld. Yeah. Right? Because this is a character who's never written, but he's always been in love with yeah. and always wanted to do. And so you know he's got a story back here. Exactly. You know he's been, exactly. since he was a kid, gone like, what would I do with Snake Eyes? Exactly. And that's going to challenge him. And I look forward to see what the result is because he's being challenged by himself to create something great. And I think my favorite thing about Rob Liefeld is he's as big of a comic book fan as he is a comic book writer and yep. artist. Great point. Every time I talk to Rob, he's excited to talk about Endgame or excited to talk about this property yeah. or what books he's reading that he's loving. He's He, he talks like us. Yes. He talks like a fanboy. He just happens to be in the bullpen. Yep. So I, I'm excited to see what he does in a new environment because it is not at Marvel or DC. It is a completely right. new wheelhouse. Right. So I'm curious how much leash IDW gave him because I imagine a lot. <laughs> yeah. So Snake Eyes with Rob Liefeld it's the first time I've thought about picking up a, a G.I. Joe book in quite some time. Mm-hmm. So it's already working for me as a comic fan, yeah. and I read most things. So this announcement, I think, is a great move because it's going to bring in fans that haven't picked up a comic in a while or ever. Yeah. And it's going to sell in a way that IDW books – I don't want there to only be two comic book publishers. Mm-hmm. I think there should be many. <laughs> I've been very worried. Like everybody talks about the Disney buying Fox merger, but we don't talk about the fact that we talk about the big two in comics. There yeah. should be the big ten. Mm-hmm. So let's give IDW. Let's give Boom Studios. Let's give Valiant. Let's give all these giant – comic properties, the giant comic creators, so we can, you know, build them up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also really excited about the Valiant universe with Vin Diesel because I think that'll get people over to Valiant. Uh, so it's, I hope so. Man, because those stories are great. Bloodshot's yep. fantastic. Bloodshot's my dad, dog. I, I don't buy many superhero shirts for one person. And I have three for Bloodshot. <laughs> That's amazing. Honestly, because I just love Bloodshot so much. And the world will soon. Yeah, I hope so. It's around the corner. You better get it right. They'll, they'll figure it out. Uh, DC <laughs> also announced right before the show The Batman's Grave, mm-hmm. which is going to be a miniseries also by a powerhouse duo. Uh, if you guys don't know Brian Hitch, he is a, an incredible artist. He actually worked on uh, – we talked about Ultimates earlier. Ultimates – was the Ultimate Avengers run, mm-hmm. and Brian Hitch did some incredible work on that book. And arguably, Ultimate's visual style was what informed the Avengers movies. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily these. This A doesn't stand for France, Captain America, but the uh, the the style and the cinematic glory that was the Ultimates really informed the movies. And then Warren Ellis, who is an icon of comic books, yeah. having Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch team up for Batman, that sounds like a, a match made in heaven. Well, Warren Ellis did uh, a couple issues of Legends of the Dark Knight. I used to collect Legends of the Dark Knight way back when. And so to see him coming back to this is brilliant. And it feels like a detective story. Now, you talk about Robert Pattinson. You talk about Matt Reeves and this idea that they're going back to the detective Dark Knight. Well, like everything else in the world, synergy is important. And in this situation, they are laying the groundwork before these movies come out. Uh, or the first movie comes out to remind you to remind you that he is a detective first, a crime fighter second, and so it's that they go hand in hand, and yep. you need to have one to influence the other, and so this uh, is a smart situation for them to, and it's going to run probably up until the movie comes out. Oh wow! To lay the so groundwork soon. for yeah. it. Yeah, it's a twelve issue miniseries, and it uh, he's following a series of murders and quote immerses himself in their lives and obsesses over every detail of their deaths. Sounds like a good groundwork for a movie to me. Yep, exactly. So, uh, that's a really good point, and 12, 12 issues does bring us right around there, which yeah. is also terrifying to think of time that linearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of the Batman, in our comic pull list this week, we got Batman number 75. Not only is a 75 a fun number for a comic that always means a big thing, but it is the beginning of Tom King's final arc on Batman that's mm. going to end with 84. Batman is a... He's been on it since issue one. This is Tom King's running Batman title. Yeah. Uh, he's going over to do the, the Batman Catwoman book, 
and write a little movie called New Gods. They have You may have heard of it. Uh, but in the meantime, Batman number 75 kicks off a Bane storyline that he's been building since his Batman number one. So this is 75 issues of buildup <laughs> and the conclusion of an arc. I don't know how to sell that harder. It's going to be a gangbuster of an issue. Mm-hmm. And Tom King, in my opinion, is one of the best Batman writers in the game. Uh, we've also got Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen is a book that keeps coming back and the title is hilarious. Yeah. I love the 70s flavor of just the title. And then it's Matt Fraction. <laughs> Matt Fraction writes the hell out of hijinks and silly characters and, like, people in over their head. And who's in over their head more than Jimmy Olsen? Yeah. Who, and who said it was better than the Hawkeye one? Uh, Mr. Brian Michael Bendis, who knows a thing or two about comic books. I love Michael Bendis. <laughs> we had him on the show. He's, he's Lovely guy. I've enjoyed his Daredevil run. Ultimate Spider-Man? Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, High praise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I gotta read it to know, but my first reaction is no way. But who knows? It's that Citizen Kane thing where everyone's yeah. like, you know, better than Citizen Kane. You're like, how? Like, the, I feel like and that, what a great compliment, by the way, that Matt yeah. Fraction's Hawkeye is like, no, no, not possible. Yeah, no, that's one of the best. So to say that with Jimmy Olsen, I would love to have a Jimmy Olsen book that I praise as highly as the reinvention of Hawkeye. Yeah. So that comes out this Wednesday. Uh, it's been it's been alluded to for months. It's mm-hmm. a highly anticipated book. Check it out. Uh, we also have Silver Surfer Black Number Two. Uh, Silver Surfer Black Number One. I'm going to own this. I'm going to say it on record. Is my favorite Silver Surfer book. Wow. It is the first time I've understood the Stan Lee appreciation of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stan Lee always said that Silver Surfer was his favorite character because he got to write outside of the humanity and look yeah. back at humanity. Yeah. That book in one issue captured that for me in a way that it took long arcs before. Mm-hmm. So. It, it's this greatest hits Silver Surfer tale. The art is staggering. It's very existential. It kind of feels like Legion yeah, uh, in, yeah, in its yeah. surrealistic flavor. Uh, and it, it has stakes because we see Silver Surfer have a lasting ramification at the end of the issue. I won't ruin, but yeah. there's a moment that is surprising. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Issue two is out this week. Did you get a chance to read the first issue? Uh, yeah, no. I haven't read the first issue, but okay. see, I saw the cover of the second issue, and I was like, okay, i got to get into this one. So yeah. I'll be dropping. I'll be jumping on a uh, comicsology to read this one or visiting AB at House yeah. of Secrets. <laughs> and Donnie Cates is, is very consistent. Yeah. He's on Thanos. He's on Guardians. He's a really solid writer. Cool. I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, Daredevil number eight is by Chip Zdarsky. Chip Zdarsky has been just so consistent. Yeah. Uh, his Spider-Man's great. His Daredevil's now great. He was an artist on Sex Criminals. Like He's an yeah. indie guy turned writer, mainstream writer. Uh, I've yet to not enjoy some of his work, and Daredevil's no exception. He's writing this book where every issue has a cliffhanger, and I've not read a Daredevil like that in years. Mm. Every single last page makes you go, and it's hard to do that every week. (laughs) So every month, Daredevil is on the top of my pull list because I'm so excited from the last time. And the imagery he gets in this book, like for three issues, two issues, uh, Daredevil's wearing Punisher's shirt because he's blind, so he doesn't realize the shirt he picked up has the Punisher logo on it. So you've got this beautiful, iconic imagery of Daredevil with Punisher that he doesn't even know he's rocking. So there's fun bits like that, but it's also really dark. It's about murder. It's about Daredevil thinking he did something he didn't. It's a great book. Mm -hmm. And then our final one of the week is Loki number one. Number ones are always a great jumping on point, but this one in particular, uh, it's after War of the Realms where Loki died for the 87th or so time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's written by Daniel Kibblesmith, who is a brilliant writer. He writes comedy really well. He did Black Panther versus Deadpool, which Mm. is a very solid book. Uh, And I'm I'm curious about his uh, take on Loki, because the God of Mischief, as written by a guy who would write Black Panther getting spoiled, Game of Thrones by Deadpool, 
is a book I'm down for. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks exciting. I like the artwork already uh, from the cover, so I, I can't wait to dive into this one. As Loki is one of my uh, low key favorite yeah. favorite characters uh, in the Marvel universe, and I, I always love when he has the swagger and the cockiness. Yeah, uh, and when it's valid and it's warranted, the way he loves to mess with Thor is the best. So whatever they're gonna do here, I'm looking forward to. It. And you're right, Black Panther's Deadpool was fantastic. So we'll see what he can create with this. Uh, once again, two very strong characters going up against each other so and it shouldn't have been right Black Panther versus Deadpool is a book that I thought was a cash cow grab yeah and then I read it and I was like wow how does this work and it really did mm-hmm. so I- I'm excited for that reason uh, also yeah. this week just to give a shout out True Believers is a one dollar issue series mm. True Believers is uh, they reprint classic comics that you think are important for where the Marvel films are going or oh, where big event comics are going. Huh. So you get like number ones from that, like you know you can never afford, and you get these giant <laughs> issues that you'd never be able to find easily accessible. The true believers this week are absolute carnage. Uh, tie-ins, Maximum Carnage number one mm-hmm. and Carnage Rebirth, which is a random, uh, I think, Amazing Spider-Man 424 where Silver Surfer and Carnage fight. Yeah. Those are only a dollar each because they're reprints. Yeah. But if you're interested in Absolute Carnage, it's good to go to the backstory. So people are always asking where to do jump-on points. The True Believers arc is a great place to just look for stuff. They've yep. got, like, Wolverine number one, which you don't want to pay $100 for. Right. So spend a buck. Catch up on some classic stories. This week, there's some absolute carnage stuff I highly recommend. Uh, on to our questions and comments of the week. We've got Gary Knight at Gary Knight 101. Uh, he tweeted us a photo. It's amazing. It's a stack of books. He said, weekend shopping completed. Catching up on some of those Collider Heroes recommendations. Thanks, Koi and Amy. Finally started Saga this week. Dude, prepare yourself. Tweet us. Let you know something. <laughs> Saga's going to change your game. Uh, Shy Chowdhari? Chowdhari? Chowdhari. At Shy Chowdhari. I just finished Saga book three, and I've joined the hiatus. I didn't know I was going to be in hiatus. And the thing... That happens has just happened, and I don't think I know anything anymore. <laughs> uh, yes, welcome. Hiatus is rough, and that last page, thank you for not spoiling it, just in case someone saw it on Twitter. I appreciate your tact, but I am with you in, oh my God. Uh, and yes, hiatus is going on far too long. We will see how it ends up. We've got David at It Is David saying, Koi and Amy, do you think Marvel could do a version of Identity Crisis for Spider Man 3, Clatter Heroes? Now, I've got John with me, and he mm. has seen Far From Home. Yes. What do you think about the idea of Identity Crisis being where they go? No, wait. Uh... Um, explain because Identity Crisis to me, I confuse it with DC. The DC's big event so, title. Yeah, right. So is that what they're talking no, about? No, like the Spider-Man uh, in, in a John Demeter Jr. drawn arc where he gets okay. uh, exposed and he has to basically like decide between being Peter and – I think that was when wow. – Peter and Spider-Man. I think it's certainly – in play, they certainly laid the groundwork down with that uh, post credit scene. Yeah. No spoilers. Well, maybe spoilers. But that post credit scene certainly lays the groundwork for that. The question is, do they – how are they going to make that – you know, I always am trepidatious since Batman v Superman when they try to weave in a, yeah. uh, a, 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 a graphic no- – or, or a run mm-hmm. uh, that – without understanding how that run worked and why that run worked in the context of the run of the character, right? So you look at this with uh, Identity Crisis, the John Romita one. How is that going to play in here? Spider-Man being exposed, what does it mean? At least if that's the way they go – I hope they take elements of it that work like Civil War worked better in the films than it did in the comics. So if they do it that way, then it's possible. And if memory serves, uh, I I didn't Google this before because Mm -hmm. I thought I was sure, and I think I'm sure, uh, Identity Crisis spawned four new heroes that he dressed up as. Uh, Oh, right. Dusk, Hornet, Ricochet, and Prodigy, if memory serves. Good job. Uh, Yeah, that's correct. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So he jumps into these four identities, and then later on, the web spinner spins out of that where four other people take on those identities. Uh, I think that's too much. I I, I think the web spinner's part is too much, but you know who loves money? (laughs) 
<laughs> I think Sony wouldn't mind having four superheroes to play with in their shared Marvel universe point. of characters. Yeah. Now that I didn't think of that before, but with this question, I'm like, wait, how do you have Spider-Man times four? That's a good question. But like, but I know we got to jump in. But look. <laughs> Are we hitting the ball? But like, that, that threshold I'm of like too much? Yeah, I'm scared. If we start asking the audience to push too far mentally and start to keep tabs on multiple characters, yeah. then we're going to lose them. And we I think are. for Spider-Man, we could do it in Spider-Verse. It's a self-contained movie. Right. Right? And they're all distinctly different, interesting characters in that way. If you're going to create this... You, you're essentially putting them all into the canon of the MCU. Right. And so, it is still, yeah. so they can jump around into different spots. But, oh, this Spider-Man and this Spider-Man. Also, you're going to cast three other Spider-Men? And are they going – like, how do you cast? Do you cast them at the level of Tom Holland or lower? What, and the backstory of Dusk is so weird because it's from another dimension. And, and, right. and Hornet ends up being a, an old co- – it's a lot. It's a lot. So I personally don't think they'll go that way. Uh, right. It is David. But I do think they're going to be dealing with the ramifications of his exposure of – uh, what I think they're going to do is either they're going to go scroll and have it be a bait and switch and have that classic iconic Spider-Man cover where Peter Parker meets Spider-Man. Yeah. Or they go Iron Man and they continue this Iron Man and Spider-Man thing and have it be his bodyguard and have them be seen oh, in the same place yeah, at the same yeah, time yeah. and tie Spider-Man and Peter together. That's possible. So either one of those. Uh, either way, I just hope that Jonah and Peter get to have a communication that isn't him yelling. I, I love the relationship between Jonah and Peter. Mm-hmm. And one of the only things I didn't like about Far From Home is it didn't give us that opportunity for that to come to be. Yeah. It took that away from us. Mister. Uh, and the Alex Jones take is really funny. Um, <laughs> our sweaty question of the week is Terrence Robinson at TJ Future CPA. He said, I'm not sure if it's too late to ask a question for this week's Collider Heroes. It's never too late. But, uh, Amy and Coy, how do you feel about floppies and bags versus unbagged in comic book stores? This is about as sweaty as it gets. You're asking about how you store comic books. When I walk into a comic book store and they're not bagged and boarded, I definitely judge the store Mm because I don't know how they've been respected before I got there. Uh, Bagging and boarding for me is is washing your hands before you eat. It's it's standard procedure. Uh It's taking care of business. Uh, I, in fact, bag and board my comics in Silver Age bags, even the Modern Age books, because I like them to have room to breathe, because I'm a psychopath. Uh, So my comics get bagged, boarded, and then put in long boxes, and then when I fill a long box, it gets sealed, and then it gets stored. Uh, So I have a very meticulous process, like Dexter, Um, (laughs) but when I go in a comic store and they're not bagged and boarded, how are you going to get a good quality book? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's a great question, actually, from Terrence. Look, I'm from the old days where we did that stuff from the beginning, and it was taught to me by the nerds in the comic book store back in Northern Virginia. (laughs) And this is what they taught me to do. And I didn't know because I would just store them in bags and didn't think twice about it. And uh, one day I went in and guys like, ooh, why don't you have boards? And so I was like, what? What is boards? And so that was another expense of my life. Uh, I I took overtime sometimes (laughs) to afford those things. And now I have boxes and boxes back in the attic of my parents' house. And so uh, I say uh, Koi is absolutely right. Even even when I go to Mm Comic-Cons and I always take the last day to walk through all the comic book sellers, yep. if I see them without boards, I know that you don't care about this line or this run or the quality of this comic. Right. And so I go, okay, I'm not even going to waste time here and move on to the next thing. So yep. uh, here's what. So that's what I say. It's, it's comic-based. I think when someone doesn't use the boards because they don't like that comic or they don't think the comic's worth a damn, and so they don't do that extra effort, even if the comic's already eroded, you can still put the board in there out of respect. It's worth, you respect the book, you respect me, the buyer. Exactly. As a buyer that wants to Respect. I want the comic respected. Right. And there's just no way to trust the integrity of a book that feels like 
Philopoly adjusted to. Who yes. knows where that's been in that exactly. way? So uh, I say bag and board all your books right away. Even books that have 500 prints. I bagged and boarded my, you know, 18 covers of Spider-Man number one. Like, you know, the, the, the <laughs> 90s when they just kept printing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even those are bagged and boarded. Right. So uh, I think it's a sign of respect for the book. I totally agree. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's about as sweaty as it gets, gang. Bag and board your comics. Take care of them. Log box them. Don't let your parents throw them out. And until next week, as always, stay sweaty. Stay little chico, pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. November 11th, 2020. This is for Comcast Xfinity Black Friday online audio. Spot title, Xfinity Black Friday 30 O-L-A-N-E-D. ISKI code CCIH0068000. Length 30 seconds. Welcome to big savings on the internet mobile you need to stay connected during the Xfinity Black Friday sales event. For a limited time, when you get Xfinity Internet and Xfinity Mobile, you can get a $200 prepaid card. Plus, ask how to get up to $300 off eligible phones for up to $500 in savings. But hurry, these awesome savings end December 7th. So visit Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Restrictions apply. Based on root metrics by IHS Markets Root Score Reports 2H2020 of four mobile networks.